Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Adam Coleman. Uh, each year, I provide a personal finance checklist to all my mortgage clients with 12 checklist items that I kind of break out into monthly segments. And then we do a deep dive into each segment. The goal is to kind of help avoid major items slipping through the cracks and to provide a reminder just to kind of touch base on your finances on a regular basis. So some of the items are reviewing your budget, checking a credit report, updating estate plans, other things like that. But the last two items on the checklist are meant to kind of bring all that together. So for November's Deeper Dive, it's all about conducting your annual mortgage review, where I go over the checklist with clients and see how they did throughout the year. And then in December, my main focus is to really go through and tell people about getting their annual financial review with their financial planner. So this episode of the podcast is really about going through and focusing more on that financial planning review and the key items that several financial planners like to focus on. So with me today, I have Marcus Fryer, who is a certified financial planner and founder of Fryer Financial. So Marcus, thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I know every financial planner is different in terms of how often they meet with clients, but how often do you typically meet with your clients each year? Uh, so my financial planning clients, we actually kind of do something similar to what you mentioned. I have some email checklists that cover a lot of the topics you just mentioned, estate planning, college planning, insurance planning, mortgage planning. So we kind of have those soft touch points, but our regular financial planning clients were checking in at least quarterly. And then annually, we have our kind of big meeting, what changed children got married, grandchildren, things of that nature, any big life events that could trigger, as you mentioned, changing beneficiaries. Do you have your transfer on deaths on your bank accounts to avoid probate? So all those things kind of come in full circle because, as you know, one thing impacts another. Right. Yeah. What what are kind of the major items that, regardless of the client, I guess, that you're right. focusing on every year that you want to hit on that they shouldn't forget to at least review once a year? I think you started off correctly with estate planning. No yeah. matter how big or small the client is, as our estate planning attorneys talk about a lot, but whatever state you may be in, your state has an estate plan for you. So let's let's get ahead of that a little bit and, and right. put you in control of that. So, yeah, so that's where we, we start with as a foundation is estate planning. And then protection tends to be next. Have we protected your family the way we want to with with insurance products that meet your needs? And then two becomes then retirement planning and making sure we can get people to retirement with the resources they have so they can live the life they want to live. Anything else beyond that that are more specialized checklist items for certain clients that you want to touch on each year, or are they all pretty much the same regardless of the client? Well, no, then then there's a, a deeper dive, as you say, into controlling the things that we can control. And there are basically two things from that financial planning investment management thing that we can control. It's the cost of how we do things and our tax strategy. When are we going to pay for things tax-wise? Mm -hmm. So we, we focus a lot on those things because those are two things that we can control, have control over. And then next becomes risk mitigation, always risk return, playing that game. And then, like I said, then it kind of splits off into specific needs of each client. And that's where you have to drill down because, you know, 
much as in your world, you can have two clients with the same profile, same income, work at the same place, but they're trying to achieve two different things with their home and with their financial planning. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes that deeper dive into speaking with those clients specifically on what they're trying to accomplish. And then we're starting to do goals-based planning and not setting goals based upon the at-large community and what the S&P 500 is doing, but what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And that's our benchmark. You said quarterly was kind of how often you're meeting with it. Are there specific items each quarter that you're going with, or does it really change depending on which client you're talking to? We kind of try and match the season a little bit. So if you can think of May is generally college uh, financial planning month because a lot of high school grads are getting ready to graduate. So that becomes a big topic. How are we going to pay for college? Insurance kind of comes up this time of year. You got Medicaid open enrollment. You've got renewals for healthcare.gov. People are renewing their policies at work and taking Social Security becomes a big topic. So it, it we, we kind of try and say, I mean, of course, you know, we turn the clock January hits and everybody's talking about taxes. That's all we're going to talk about taxes, taxes, taxes. So we kind of follow like a, a regulated calendar that kind of, it almost lays out a nice financial planning stream for us to follow. Nice. Is there anything before the year end that you want to make sure people focus on, especially with tax planning? I know you mentioned January, but is there anything that people need to do before the year is over when it comes to the tax side? Yeah, absolutely. Because our, our W-2 people are a little more handcuffed than our business people and so on. Right. So, you know, your W-2 people, they want to make all their contributions through work before December 31st. Make sure that they are putting in and getting the match. So if your employer is offering 5%, you need to at least do 5%. Otherwise, we're leaving money on the table. So we want to do that. Of course, our business owners meeting with them at this time of year, some that may need to buy equipment and things of that nature. So we're saying, hey, We've got profit. Do you have some business needs so we can manage those taxes? Um, doing things, simple things such as, hey, a lot of my dental clients, they will pay a Q4 bonus for their dentist, but a lot of times the check will hit Q1 of next year. So I'm on top of that admin person say, hey, I need you to calculate that stuff a little bit faster. So we need to cut that check in December 31st, bring that expense back into this year. You know, so do a lot of those things. Business owners have a lot more flexibility. So they get to kind of get into next year and do a look back with investment things. Solo 401ks, you know, our right. two people are handcuffed with their IRA April 15th. But business owners, if they extend, they can go all the way to October 15th, making contributions for the prior year. So them, not as much just on the expense side, but our W-2 people, charitable contributions, learning how to bunch those things that's tax law changed, they've got a little bit faster time frame to get to. Perfect. Okay. Well, no, that's that's perfect. Anything else that you ever touch on with people beyond what we had talked about that you think are good, either checklist items or at least annual reminders? I mean, yeah, it's that constant cycle of evaluating everything. Your mortgage your house, what are your plans? If you're thinking about buying a home, you know, we need to, and we're spending a lot of time with that right now. We got a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. 
right? But they want to buy a house. So yeah. we're still engaging those conversations. We're still, hey, Adam is going to need A, B, C, D, and E. Regardless of what the rates are, he's going to need that. So let's get in a position to flip that switch. When those right. rates drop, you flip that switch and go ahead and get going. But it's a constant thing. Really right now it's tax time and, and now we're getting into family time and people spend time with their families. Let's not kind of think about this stuff right now. Wind up your checklist before Thanksgiving and then, you know, we'll be off and running in January. Well, good deal. Well, this has been perfect. I appreciate you running through all the different items that you at least focus on. But um, if, if somebody wanted to get more information about you and your firm, where should they go? Yeah, certainly. Visit our website at www.fryerfinancial.com. You can schedule an appointment there. We do all of our consultations complimentary. I just like to get information out. My LinkedIn page, I'm constantly, Marcus Fryer, constantly posting things every week about the market. It always has a little riddle in it to the little commentary that's written. So it's, it's pretty good there. But yeah, I just like to get information out. It's, our industry changes so rapidly. All the products, mortgage products, everything changes so rapidly. That's why we're having these conversations. And, you know, I picked up the phone and called you a couple of times. I'm like, you know, I got this client. I'm thinking about this, but what else can I do? And it's amazing. People don't really realize how much we as professionals communicate with each other. Right. Because it changes so quickly. So you it all does. are doing a checklist and we're doing an internal checklist with each other. Like, are we covering all the bases for our clients? So. Well, perfect. Well, now it's always a pleasure talking to you, Marcus. So I appreciate oh. you taking the time. Oh, anytime, anytime. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome back. Uh, this is your host, Adam Coleman. And with me today is Sarah Cuddy, who's a certified financial planner with Baird. We're continuing our discussions on the major review items that every investor should be checking off their list at least once per year. So Sarah, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. So just jumping right in, how often do you typically do formal reviews with your clients? Yeah, and I'm glad you used the word formal because that's an important distinction because technically I'm constantly reviewing with clients as things come up, but formal review really depends on the client. So here I want to be very clear. I'm speaking about wealth management clients for whom I manage assets held at Baird and who engage in financial planning with me. So the primary goal of a review is to keep up with a client's financial hygiene. It's a lot like seeing the dentist every six months for a routine cleaning. Now, at a minimum, I want to sit down with them for at least one hour on an annual basis for a focused formal review. Ideally, I like to see every client every six months. Now, some clients, especially those who are navigating a new phase of life, like retirement, divorce, or widowhood, like to talk quarterly. I think any more often than that, it's it's a bit excessive, but generally most clients see me for a formal review once every six months. Perfect. Okay. So when you're sitting down with the client for the review, what are some of the key items that you're going over? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big believer in checklists. I think you also uh, are a big believer in checklists. And the reason that I use those is so that every review I do is thorough. Uh, using a checklist allows me to make sure I don't miss anything. And these meetings generally come with really full agendas. So keeping a checklist handy is key to staying on track. So if you are DIY, if you are not working with um, a, an advisor, maybe you're uh, doing a robo-advisor type arrangement, I recommend keeping a checklist of your own because it's hard to keep all of it in your head. 
For me, I have a pre-meeting checklist and then an in-meeting checklist. So as I prepare myself for the meeting, I want to look in on anything notable from our last meeting. Do I need to follow up on something? Is there an update on a project? The next thing is how often am I contacting them outside of formal reviews? Are they getting regular outgoing communication from me? That's a standard of care issue that I want to make sure that I'm attending to. I'm also going to look to see when was the last time we did a financial plan. We might be due to make a new draft. And if that's the case, I need to get that ready for the meeting. I'm also going to look at the mix of accounts and services they have with me. If there's an offering or a service that they don't have that they may benefit from, I want to make sure that we can have a conversation about that. And then lastly, and this is really important, I want to look at their annual savings goals and see if they've been met. So this is the single most important checklist item. These reviews are great for keeping clients accountable and for implementing their plan. So again, if you're DIY, checking in on those savings goals every year, keeping yourself accountable, if you can do nothing but that, you will be so far ahead of the game. And you know, during the review meeting, this is kind of the next thing. So what are we looking at during the review meeting? Asset allocation. That's the first thing, right? How are their Baird investments divided up between stocks, bonds, and cash? Are we in line with our target allocation or do we need to make adjustments to get back in alignment? And this is an item every investor needs to review annually. Your asset allocation will drift over time. And if you don't address it, you may end up taking more risk than you can tolerate. And taking more risk than you can tolerate can have really bad consequences like panic selling or suffering a large loss right before the funds are needed. Now, I want to take a pause here before we move on and talk about the rest of the checklist and say, uh, Adam, it's really important uh, that people understand that asset allocation does not ensure a profit or guard against loss. It is just another tool we use to manage risk. Uh, we can't eliminate it. We can only manage it. So after we've looked at asset allocation, we're going to look at performance and your holdings. So what were our results since our last review and over time? So do we need to make changes based on your goals changing, your risk tolerance changing? Is your time horizon maybe shorter or longer than it was the last time we talked? Were there any major changes in the investing environment or is an investment no longer suitable for the client? These are the types of questions that every client needs to ask themselves annually. So again, for my DIY guys and gals, check on your goals, check on your risk tolerance, check on your time horizon, um, look at the investing environment for changes, and then make sure that the stuff you own is still suitable. Next thing, money in, money out. If the client has savings goals, do we have automation set up to meet those goals or do we need to you know, facilitate that? If they're already in retirement, have you taken your required minimum distributions from your IRAs and 401ks this year? If we're sending money over and above uh, required minimums, is that amount still appropriate? Do you need a pay raise for the year? And lastly, um, we like to look at any activity in non-retirement accounts that might result in a tax bill. That's our time to make a note that at year end, we need to look for strategies to mitigate or eliminate the consequences of this type of activity. We usually start integrating that into reviews because remember, it's semi-annual. We're doing this twice a year. So usually around like the August, September timeframe is when we start having the conversation about taxable activity for the year. Well, perfect. I appreciate that. Are there any items that you less frequently go over? Any kind of niche clients that maybe have to do a little bit different beyond the standard checklist items? So the practice is comprehensive and there are a lot of things that we like to check on kind of annually every two years, every three years. And so those are going to include things like your beneficiary designations. 
we have to have a designated beneficiary on all of your retirement accounts. And if we're being really thorough, we're going to have a transfer on death agreement for non-retirement accounts. And as your life changes, who you want as your beneficiaries is going to change, especially as your kiddos grow up, right? When, when they're still minors, they can't inherit. So you might have your designation set up differently, but once they become adults, you might want them to be direct inheritors. As grandchildren come along, you might, might want to make sure that they're included in the line of succession. So because your life changes, we're going to check those beneficiaries every two years. Another thing we're going to look at is your life insurance coverage. And we're going to do that every two years as well. And it's for the same reason. Your life is going to change. You're going to accomplish goals. You're going to get closer to retirement. Your kids are going to grow up. And because your need for life insurance changes over time, we need to be looking at it periodically. I also do like to encourage clients to review their property and casualty coverages every couple of years. Same reason. You buy new property, risks change, your needs change. So definitely be reviewing those coverages. And lastly, I do like to check on whether will package and when it was written. And it's, I'm going to sound like a broken record because your life changes. So I'm just going to key in on that and say, Hey, when was the last time you looked at that will? Do we need to have you go to an estate planning attorney to have it revised or at least make sure it still says what you want it to say? I appreciate you going over all that. I know it's extremely comprehensive in terms of what you do. What made you decide to go down that kind of service model? Yeah, it really comes down to offering the best possible guidance. So when I give advice, I am bound by one of three duties of care. The lowest one is suitability, and that's that's table stakes. Is the advice or the investment suitable for the client? Then there's the best interest standard, in which case the advice or the guidance must be in the best interest of the client. And then there's the fiduciary standard of care, which means putting the client's needs and priorities ahead of my own. I'm not going to bore you with when these standards apply, but giving advice that meets my duty of care requires that I have a really deep understanding of a client's situation. And I can't develop a deep understanding if I'm not regularly checking in on things that don't necessarily directly touch their investment. If all I'm looking at is the money they have at Baird, that's an incredibly narrow focus. And it's going to lead to less than, I think, great advice. So I'll just a quick example. A client might ask, hey, I have this $100,000 sitting in the bank. Should I invest it? Now, if I don't have enough details, I might say, sure, bring that cash over. We'll put it to work. But I might know that this client has two dependent children, is unmarried, and hasn't been able to buy life insurance due to maybe a type 2 diabetes diagnosis. So with those details, I can say, Look, I believe it's in your family's best interest to leave the cash uninvested, at least until your kiddos graduate from college. So being incredibly thorough allows me to offer a really high standard of care and support clients in meeting their goals. And this is key, keep up with all those little things that are kind of a pain to track. So my DIY people who are listening to this are going, man, that's so much to have to keep up with. Who wants to do that? That's part of the reason you hire a professional. So you have someone else who's, who's keeping track of it for you. Exactly. Well, no, I, I appreciate you going over all that. That's it's extremely helpful. If anybody wanted to learn more about you and the services that you offer, what's the best place to track you down? Yeah. So I'm on the web at sarahcuddy.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-U-D-D-Y.com. I'm also on Facebook. Just search Sarah from 
Baird. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash IN slash Sarah Cuddy. And Adam, before we go, our attorneys have asked me to remind you and your listeners and audience that I am a financial advisor employed at Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated, and that I do not offer tax or legal advice. We do, however, regularly work hand in hand with the client's legal and tax advisors. Perfect. Well, Sarah, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on the show.